and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, which is part of the Edge Sports family. It's Thursday leading into the Week 4 game, so I'm going to go ahead and run down all of my favorite and least favorite matchups for the players based on their venues, weather, and defense this week, starting with the quarterbacks. So the quarterbacks are the best matchups this week include Jacoby Brissett, Jared Goff, Mason Rudolph, Matthew Stafford, and Daniel Jones. Starting with Brissett, He's facing a Raiders team that increases passing yards per attempt by 20% and touchdowns per attempt by 70%, both the most in football. Because the Raiders tend to to give up leads and something they'll probably do in Indianapolis this week, you can expect Brissett to maybe have a a few fewer pass attempts. They cut by 13%, but I think that the increase in yards and touchdowns are going to make up for it. And Brissett has shown a pretty big home and road split so far in his career. I know it's been kind of a start and stop career for him as a starting passer, but I think this week... He's going to be a back-end top 10 option for you, kind of like he was last week against the Falcons at home. Now with Goff, I'm actually a lot more confident that he's someone with the big home and road splits. For his career, he's averaging 65.2% completion rate for 311 passing yards, 2.1 passing touchdowns, and 0.5 interceptions per game at home versus 61.9% completion, 236 yards, 1.7 touchdowns, and 0.8 interceptions per game on the road. So it's a difference of close to six full fantasy points per game. It makes a really big difference whether Goff is at home or on the road. And this week he is at home and he's playing a, a Bucks team that, while being surprising a little bit on defense so far this season, that defensive success is skewed more towards run defense than pass defense. They're the number two DVOA run defense this year versus number 13 pass defense. Uh, for, for my splits here, I, I have the Bucks as a positive matchup for completion percentage, yards per attempt, and touchdowns per attempt for passers, the last one being a 47% boost. So I really like Goff this week. I have him as my number five quarterback. For Mason Rudolph, he had a pretty bad week last week against the 49ers, but the, the 49ers are a very surprising team defensively this season as a top five DVOA defense overall. Facing the Bengals this week, I think it's going to be much easier for Rudolph also playing at home. The Bengals are a neutral matchup for pass attempts but they increase yards per attempt by 15% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 51% and are a bottom 10 pass defense by DVOA. And then with Daniel Jones, obviously you're kind of making assumptions based on one start, whether or not he's a good passer or not, but I feel like he's going to have an easier matchup this week than he did on the road in Tampa Bay last week anyway, at home facing a Redskins team that while they cut passing attempts a little bit, they increase completion percentage by 10%, yards per attempt by 10%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 42%. I feel like this is going to be a pretty favorable matchup here for Daniel Jones. Uh, Two quarterbacks that just missed the cut for my best quarterback matchups. We have Aaron Rodgers at home against Philadelphia. He's had a very tough start to the season, but when I talk about some of his receivers later, I'll get into why I think things could be turning around this week. And then Phillip Rivers at Miami. I mean, you basically want to start every passing and rushing option against Miami, and I'll definitely get a little bit more than that in time, but those are really good options for you this week as well. For the quarterbacks with bad passing matchups, we have Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Tom Brady, Gardner Minshew, and Dak Prescott. With Cousins, I think you're already kind of nervous about him given his low volume of pass attempts um, in his two home starts so far. This one is on the road, but it's in Chicago against a Bears team that, while the Bears increase passing attempts because they tend to be leading in games, they cut passing yards per attempt by 16% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 28%. And then kind of more alarming for Cousins, they increase interceptions per attempt by 114% and fumbles per pass attempt by 17%. So I think Cousins is honestly a good bet to have more turnovers than passing touchdowns in this game. You really don't want to start him this week. 
Now, as for Mayfield, I actually have Mayfield a little bit behind Cousins, in part because I have Mayfield as a worse true talent fantasy quarterback than Cousins. And really, it's, you know, the whole offense has struggled. He has, I think he's been sacked eight or nine times so far this season, and it may be 10, honestly, kind of going from memory there. Just one passing touchdown in all three games. He's facing a Ravens team that I'm not really sure if we know what they are defensively right now. The Chiefs obviously had very little trouble with them, but that was in Kansas City. Based on my numbers, I'm assuming the Ravens are going to cut passing yards per attempt and touchdowns per attempt a little bit. They're only the number 20 pass defense for the year in DVOA, but you know the Jaguars are 16th. Both of those teams face the Chiefs, and I feel like that's just kind of a deceptive thing that's happening for both of those teams. I think both of them are probably very good pass defenses, and we'll see how that goes for Mayfield and the Browns in Baltimore this weekend. For Tom Brady, he's obviously had three very easy matchups so far this season, and this week he's going to head to Buffalo to face the Bills. Very difficult matchup. The Bills are neutral for passing touchdowns, so that gives Brady a little bit of hope, but they cut passing attempts by 10% and yards per attempt by 13%, and in particular, I would say are much more vulnerable to the run than the pass. Number four DVOA pass defense versus the number 21 DVOA run defense. So this, this, I could see this being a game where Brady and the Patriots rely more heavily on their stable of, of backs in the backfield. So maybe Sonny Michelle might be a surprisingly good start on the road. James White will probably be pretty effective. But Edelman is, is potentially going to miss this game with a chest injury, and I'll get into that in a bit. That may leave Josh Gordon with a very difficult matchup too. So the Patriots passing attack may be a team to avoid in fantasy this week, in particular in DFS where you'd be paying full price for those guys. Gardner Minshew, he's heading to Denver to face the Broncos. Now, the Broncos have been a very interesting team so far this season, mostly because they've, they haven't recorded a single sack on the season. And for a team with you know the weapons they have on defense, that's it's pretty shocking. I mean, no other team has fewer than two sacks. I think the Eagles are the only other team with fewer than four sacks on this season. So it seems like the Broncos are much worse than we expected. I mean, they're just the number 26 pass defense. But I'm really not sure that's going to continue. They're actually still top 10 in football with a 28.9% defensive pressure rate, according to Sports Info Solutions. So to me, this is something where they've been close but haven't quite gotten home with their pass rush, and I bet that's going to change. And it may change this week against the inexperienced Minshew. So I think that this may be a game where where Minshew struggles. Um, The Broncos do cut passing touchdowns per attempt by 11% as well. And it's possible there's going to be some heavy winds in Denver up to 18 miles per hour for this game. So as much as I like Minshew and trust him and think he's a very accurate passer, I don't really want to start him this week in fantasy. And then just missing the cut for the, the worst matchups for quarterbacks in fantasy this week, we have Dak Prescott at New Orleans and Carson Wentz at Green Bay tonight for the Thursday game. I'm more apt to use Prescott just because he's looked so good so far. And even though he's on the road, he is in the dome and facing a New Orleans team that I think just generally is going to be more vulnerable because they don't have Drew Brees at quarterback. For Wentz, I mean, I feel like the Packers may be actually quite good on defense. And even though they're getting Alshon Jeffrey back, I think Wentz is going to have a difficult time moving the ball in Green Bay. Okay, let's pivot over to the running backs, where my favorite matchups this week include Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, Karrion Johnson, James Conner, Chris Thompson, Marlon Mack, and Todd Gurley. For Eckler, uh, this may actually be the last great fantasy game for him for the season, um, depending on how this exactly plays out. But Melvin Gordon... It sounds like he's planning to report to to the Chargers either today or tomorrow. And head coach Anthony Lynn has already said that he's not going to play him this weekend, even if he does report. But you have to figure that if he's back and doesn't end up being traded, he's probably going to go back to being the main guy on offense or certainly playing enough that it would diminish Eckler's fantasy fortunes. But at least for this one last week, I have Eckler as as my number one running back. He's in Miami facing a, a Dolphins defense that 
it's I mean it's bad no matter how you slice it. They're the number 31 run defense by DVOA and number 32 pass defense by DVOA. Hence why it's a good matchup for Rivers as well. But for Eckler, the Dolphins um, they increase running attempts by a lot because they tend to go down multiple scores in game. Obviously. So I could really see both Eckler and Justin Jackson working a lot late in this game to kill clock. And even though it's a thing where maybe Jackson is going to get that bigger boost, consider that the number one running backs that have faced the Dolphins so far this year, Mark Ingram, Sonny Michelle, and Ezekiel Elliott, they've averaged 18 carries for 105 yards, which is 5.8 yards per carry, a huge number, and one touchdown per game. So that's 17.6 fantasy points for those lead backs, even while guys like Tony Pollard are coming in late to get a lot of fantasy production against the Dolphins. So... I have a lot of confidence in Eckler this week. The Dolphins are even weak against receiving backs, so this could just be a monster fantasy game any way you slice it for Eckler. Now for Chris Carson, I think the major concern with him is that he's now fumbled in three straight games. And I'm I'm certainly concerned about it because it's not like the Seahawks don't have other great options in their backfield. But this week they actually may not because Rashad Penny, who hurt his hamstring in practice Friday before the week three game, he still didn't practice on Wednesday this week and he may sit out. And without him, Carson ended up taking 15 of the 19 Seahawks running back carries last week. And I expect a similarly big workload for him this week against the Cardinals. And with the fumbles concern, you really couldn't draw a better matchup than the Cardinals because they cut uh, fumbles per attempt by 84%. That's the most in football. They just don't have a very disruptive defense that can sort of stop that sort of thing from happening. They've even allowed a 39.1% DVOA to receiving back so far this year. Carson is somebody that gets a lot of workload as a receiver. So even if Penny played, I think Carson could have a really nice day as a receiver, even if he only goes to back to like 60% of the running back carries. But I think Penny probably sits, and I think Carson is going to be a borderline uh, running back one for you this week. For Kerryon Johnson, the, the Lions are facing the Chiefs in Detroit this week, and it's a really complicated situation, I feel like, to suss this out. Because I thought some guys like Leonard Fournette were going to have a big day against the Chiefs, because the Chiefs have a very bad run defense. It honestly looks like it's going only getting worse. Right now, I have them slated to increase rushing yards per attempt by 22% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 84%, um, which is both of those are up since what I had them at week one. But the real key for the Chiefs is that when they build leads, they can cut rushing attempts for their opponents who have to pass to try to catch up. And I have them cutting team's um, run attempts per game by 6%, which is a pretty big number for a team with a bad run defense. Um, They've also been the number one run defense in DVOA against receiving backs so far this year, limiting those guys to negative 71.6% DVOA. So really with Johnson here, it's a favorable matchup on a per-touch basis, but is he going to get enough touches to buoy his fantasy success? I honestly feel like you're kind of betting on whether you think the Lions are up for the challenge in general against the Chiefs or not. And I think the point in their favor is that the Lions have actually been a pretty solid team with the number 11 overall DVOA on the season. I think I'm going to roll the dice and start Johnson. I think he's probably more of a high-end running back two for me this week. But I think even if he can get, say, 15 touches in this game, he could produce like a, a running back two or maybe even running back one against the Chiefs. Okay, the running backs with the worst matchups this week, we have Frank Gore, Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, uh, all the Chiefs running backs, but I'll tentatively say Daryl Williams, and then Sony Michelle. Uh, for Gore, you know, part of this is going to be whether or not De- Devin Singletary plays. He still isn't practicing, um, so he he may miss this game anyway. But I don't really think that's going to really affect how many targets Gore gets, and that would be a good way to sort of handle the Patriots matchup because the Patriots cut rushing plays by 21%, which is the most in football, and they cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 27%, which is the fourth most in football. You know, I think it's 
it's pretty apparent. Like everyone at this point knows that the Patriots haven't allowed a defensive touchdown or their defense hasn't allowed an offensive touchdown so far this season. And I think everyone assumes it's their incredible secondary, but the Pats, they actually have the number one run defense by DVOA as well as the number one pass defense by DVOA. So yeah, I mean, they're just a really, really good defense. And I think it's going to be hard for Gore to really get anything going. I bet if the Bills get anything done on the ground, it's probably going to be Josh Allen scrambling around kind of on broken play type of situations. I'm not eager to start Gore, even if Singletary ends up sitting again this week. Now with Ronald Jones, he's a guy like Singletary that I think sooner or later is going to take over the workload. For him, it's going to be in Tampa Bay. He's just been so much more effective than Peyton Barber so far this season, but I don't love his matchup against the Rams this week. The Rams cut rushing plays by 8% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 20%. I feel like the way to get at them is, is as a receiver as coming out of the backfield. They allow a 29.4% DVOA to receiving backs, but that's not really Jones' game, at least not so far. I think he has just two targets on the season where Barber uh, has really didn't, been more involved as, the, as an early down back than Jones has catching balls out of the backfield. So I'm kind of waiting for Jones to get a healthier workload than maybe a 50-50 split anyway before I'm willing to use him in fantasy, but I definitely don't want to use him against the Rams this week. Now for Nick Chubb, this kind of dives into the Ravens matchup where we're not exactly sure how good the Ravens defense is. But even if I have questions about the Ravens pass defense, I think that their run defense is pretty solid. They're number 12 in in rush defense DVOA so far this season. And even though they're neutral for rushing touchdowns allowed, they cut rushing plays by 12% and rushing yards per attempt by 17%. You know, if the Browns get overwhelmed on their, their bad offensive line again in this matchup, I could see this again as being a situation where the Browns go down a lot. And while Chubb has been getting a little bit of work out of the backfield as a receiver, that's going to make it a pretty bad matchup for a guy that's looking for those rushing touchdowns. Could be a tough matchup for him this week. For the Chiefs, um, I, I feel like the way to get at the Lions is through the air as opposed to through the uh, on the ground. The Lions decreased rushing touchdowns per attempt by 13%, but increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 19%. So this is a pretty attractive matchup for Mahomes and the, you know, the various Chiefs receivers at this point. And maybe he'll throw some touchdowns to, to his running backs. I mean, he certainly did last week. And then so maybe you can guess that LaShawn McCoy say he'll be that guy or, or maybe even Daryl Williams. But I'm really unsure. And right now, frankly, I'm unsure what the pecking order is in this backfield anyway. I saw an article today on one of the Chiefs blogs that suggested that Damian Williams may be losing his job anyway. Certainly, Daryl Williams had a good performance last week, but it kind of seems like any running back you plug and play into this offense is going to be effective. So I just don't really know what to make of it. And given that it's a tough matchup on the ground for these guys, I might want to look another way unless I'm making more of like a DFS tournament play where maybe you can get a guy like Darrell Williams on the cheap if we're unsure whether Damian is even going to play in this game or not. Pivoting to wide receivers, my favorite matchups for the week are Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And so with the two Green Bay Packers there, I kind of wanted to circle back to this because of what I said about Aaron Rodgers earlier. The reason I love this matchup at home against the Eagles is because the Eagles increased pass plays by 17%, which is the most in football. And even though you think of them as being this great pass rush, it leads to a lot of extra opportunities for the receivers. And even if, say, Rodgers ends up getting sacked more than usual or whatever, I still think that that Adams and Valdez-Scantling can succeed in fantasy in this game. Two weeks ago, the Falcons, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley each had 100 yards and three combined touchdowns. And then Marvin Jones, the Lions' second receiver, I, I guess, behind Kenny Galladay, had 100 yards and a touchdown as well. So I think both of these guys have the opportunity to do well. And I would say that if Rodgers can't throw for like, you know, 300 yards in this game, it may officially be time to start getting worried about how explosive his offense is going to be under the new head coach. 
Now with Cooper Cup, I actually have him as my number two wide receiver overall this week, and that seems really high, but I've actually moved Cup into my top 10 in true talent. I didn't necessarily expect to see this coming, but his target share has been substantially higher than both um, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods so far this season. He's getting in the ballpark of like 34% of the Rams wide receiver and tight end targets. That's like a, you know, a top wide receiver one kind of volume there. So I think Cup has is, is become really the featured part of this, this passing game for the Rams. And it's, I think it's a great matchup for, the, for all the Rams receivers, not just him, but particularly for him. The Bucks were a bottom five defense against slot receivers by DVOA last year, so you love Cup there out of the slot. But they also increased yards per attempt by 15% and touchdowns per attempt by 47%. So, I mean, you can happily start Robert Woods and, and Brandon Cooks too. It's just that Cup, I think, starts at the best place for their wide receivers, which is why I have him highest among the guys for the matchup for the week. For Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, with Mason Rudolph now starting for the Steelers, I've kind of dropped him back to being kind of more a high-end flex option at wide receiver. But this week, I think he's back to being a solid wide receiver, too, against the Bengals. I think I mentioned earlier they're a neutral matchup for pass plays, but they increase yards per attempt by 15% and touchdowns per attempt by 51%. So I think that's a a boon for for Juju Smith-Schuster, for one, but also possibly for James Washington and Deontay Johnson. And something I noticed last week is that um, Dante Moncrief was a healthy and active for this game. And then Ryan Switzer, who was getting a healthy amount of slot work the first couple of weeks with Roethlisberger, didn't play an offensive snap last week. So it looks like the Steelers may be tightening up their rotation and working with those three primary wide receivers. And so I think that's really good news for their fantasy value. Even if Mason Rudolph can't be as an explosive a passer as, as Roethlisberger, if he's really just working the three main guys, I think he can be good enough, I think, to boy those guys in fantasy. So they're going to be interesting options for you. And Smith-Schuster in particular, I like this week. The guy that just missed this cut for me is Kenny Galladay. He's got that home matchup against the Chiefs. And while I think that running the ball is the best way to exploit the, the Chiefs matchup, which is why I like Kerry and Johnson so much, if the Lions fall behind, which you know it seems fairly likely, I think they're going to have to rely on throwing the ball, and Galladay is, is the number one choice there to maybe benefit. For the worst matchups of the week for receivers, we have Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Odell Beckham, D.D. Westbrook, and Terry McLaurin. I mentioned a minute ago that Edelman may miss this game. He, he got knocked out of last week with a chest injury. I actually think Edelman has kind of a, a handcuff, I guess you could say, replacement behind him in Jacoby Myers. So if you can pick him up as sort of a substitute, you can kind of work with that most weeks. But regardless, I don't really love either of them, whichever one's playing this week against the Bills. The Bills are a great pass defense in general, but they were also top 10 against slot receivers in 2018. So it's a particularly tough matchup for them. And then while you think that may skew some more work toward Josh Gordon, which I'm sure it will, he has a tough matchup too because he's probably going to draw cornerback Tredavious White. Last year, White had a 58% coverage success rate, which is top 15 of all cornerbacks. And he's looked even better so far this season, granted against maybe a little bit of lesser competition. But week one, he held Robbie Anderson to three catches and 23 yards on seven targets. Last week, he held John Ross to two catches and 22 yards on six targets. Hasn't allowed a touchdown yet this year. So he seems to be playing at a very high level, as are the Bills defensively in general, with a great pass rush and everything else. So again, Patriots, I think, look for them to run the ball against the Bills to try to take advantage of that relative weakness for their defense. And that could make it a tough fantasy day for, you know, Edelman, Gordon, you know, pick your pick your Patriots receivers. For Odell Beckham, he's got that uh, Ravens matchup and Beckham is getting a ton more work than anyone else um, in the Browns offense. Really, Jarvis Landry is a pretty tough guy to start even at this point. Um, and so you're not going to bench Beckham in, in any kind of standard league. He's still top 10 for me, even what 
is a bad matchup. But I do think the Ravens are still a bad matchup. Um, with my forecast, I have them cutting yards per attempt by 9% and touchdowns per attempt by 24%. So it could be a tough week for Beckham, um, but just maybe avoid him in DFS, but don't bench him in your typical leagues. Now for Terry McLaurin, the rookie receiver for the Redskins, he's seen the second most targets of all rookie wide receivers um, behind just Marquise Brown of those Ravens. And so McLaurin is actually getting to a point where I think he's an every week start. I mean, he's almost borderline a wide receiver one, honestly, which is kind of shocking to, to think in that offense. But he's got, I guess he's got a good and a bad matchup, kind of depending on your perspective this week. He's facing the Giants. And obviously the Giants have a really bad secondary. They gave up those three touchdowns to Mike Evans last week. Um, but the, the reason I think McLaurin has a semi-tough matchup is because the Giants are still very susceptible to the run, more so to the pass, I think. They increase rushing touchdowns per attempt by 41% compared to just passing touchdowns by 4%. So it's maybe not necessarily a bad day for McLaurin, but I could see the Redskins having success on the grounds. And really, this may swing on how good Daniel Jones is. If he continues to put up the big numbers and maybe builds a lead for the Giants, then McLaurin will probably rally and have a nice day. But you know, I'm not eager to jump on him as like a great matchup, I would say, in DFS. And then finishing it off with tight ends, we have the positive matchups. We have Evan Ingram, uh, TJ Hawkinson, um, Dawson Knox, Mark Ingram, um, Delaney Walker, and Nick Vanette, or whichever Steeler tight end plays, which I'll get to in a minute. With Ingram, I think at this point, with the hope that Daniel Jones is, is going to be a better quarterback than Eli Manning for a fantasy perspective, I think that even further boosts Ingram, who I was already starting to really love again this year. He's my number two true talent tight end, and he stays number two for the week, but I have him getting more than one extra fantasy point this week for that Redskins matchup. The Redskins are allowing a 21.8% DVOA to tight end so far this season, which is pretty pretty favorable for tight ends. So Ingram's got a great matchup. Feel free to use him in any format, including DFS. And then for the Steelers, I mentioned Vanette. They actually traded for Vanette midweek because Vance McDonald hurt his shoulder last week in San Francisco. And because of the trade, I just assumed that McDonald was going to be out for, for a lengthy period of time. But the news right now suggests that McDonald is a possibility to play this week. So this is one where you're really going to need to, to watch the news. I was already kind of uncertain whether Vanette was going to play this weekend anyway because, you know, he's literally traded midweek. I mean, he has no idea what the playbook for the Steelers is or anything like that. But if we can figure out which of these guys is going to play and, and only one of them is, maybe then they can take advantage of that Bengals matchup. Bengals allowing a 41.9% DVOA to tight end so far this season. It's an attractive matchup, but again, you probably want to watch the news before you, you make any decisions there. And then the tight ends with the worst matchups, uh, we have Zach Ertz, Will Disley, um, Ryan Izzo, O'Shaughnessy, and Demetrius Harris. Those last three guys you're probably not looking to start except in very deep formats. But Ertz, you're obviously going to start, and I mean, I think you're going to start him no matter what the matchup. But this probably is one of the hardest matchups he could face in Green Bay tonight. The Packers are allowing a negative 39.0 DVOA um, to tight end so far this season. That's the best in football. And allowing just 1.7 fantasy points per game to tight ends so far this season. That's the worst in football, or the best, I guess, from, from the Packers' perspective. They haven't faced a tight end like Ertz. And given that Deshaun Jackson's going to miss this game, and I think Alshon Jeffrey's going to start, I think Ertz is still going to get a healthy volume of targets here. So you're not benching him. He's still top 10. I think I have him seventh this week, but he's not his normal, like clear top three guy there for you at the position. And then with Disley, this is a little bit of a tricky one for me. Like I have it listed as a slightly down matchup, but that's a lot of that is about the fact that the Seahawks are just on the road for a team that normally has pretty big home and road splits. But Disley is, is looking kind of safe. 
He's top 12 in tight end and wide receiver target share at the position this year, and he scored five touchdowns in six career-healthy games. So, I mean, he's a tight end one, I think, most weeks, and I think it's probably borderline that this week. The thing about the Cardinals is I feel like they're, they're bad in a lot of ways, and that could open the door for a big rushing game, like I mentioned with Chris Carson. It could lead to success for, like, TJ Lockett on the outside, um, or Tyler Lockett on the outside, and maybe that's going to kind of prevent Disley from having a good game. But also the Cardinals have, have been pretty favorable for tight ends in the short sample so far this season, allowing 69.9% DVOA and 21.6 fantasy points per game. I don't totally believe that because, I mean, a lot of that those stats have come from Mark Andrews on the Ravens and Greg Olson on the Panthers. And those are two of the rare teams that just rely on a tight end as their number one receiving target. So I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I'll say that maybe it's a neutral defensive matchup for Disley, just kind of thinking about it. And as such, the road start makes it a little bit of a downer. I wouldn't use him in DFS, for instance, when you could use some of those more attractive matchup options. But you're not going to bench him for somebody that's clearly worse, you know. You're not benching him for one of the Steelers' tight ends, for instance. Okay, that's going to do it for this uh, today and both of this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And then we'll look for you again next Tuesday talking about your waiver wire choices for Week 5. Thanks so much. Talk to you then.